I want to share with you a couple things that the Lord uh, shared with me about being here. First of all, uh, a week of prayer. Our church is doing a 21-day fasting and, and prayer. And, and so last night was a really spectacular night. It's basically two nights. Last night was a brother that was speaking about forgiveness and uh, basically linking together uh, forgiveness for people in our lives, asking the Lord to forgive them, then asking the Lord to bless them. And, and that, the whole night was spent on that and teaching on that. And now tonight, they will actually enter into the healing part of it. And uh, there's about 175 people that were on Zoom. And, and they, a lot of people, you know, the Holy Spirit isn't bound to our, uh, our set of timing. You know, a lot of people got healed last night. So they must have forgiven really quick. And, uh, but tonight is, so I, my church and my family and my wife, you know, we've been doing this also. And from what I've heard, there are just hundreds of churches, hundreds of churches, the body of Christ around the country and around the world that are doing a lot of the same thing. They, are, they sense and feel that call to prayer and fasting and seeking God. And because of the political upheavals and because of the coronavirus, you know something is from God when it touches every country in the world. It'd be one thing if it touched two or three or four or even a dozen. But when something like that touches every country in the world, unless, I don't know, maybe there's one or two that it didn't touch, but we don't even know their name. Well, I don't know the name of that country if there is one. You know that there's something that God is doing and saying. So this week of prayer has been kind of cool. I was here for, I think, Sister Jody. What was her name? Jody. And, uh, and then I got to be here for Sister Sylvia yesterday, who so, so touched my heart. And uh, it was just awesome. But as I've been thinking about you, this week of prayer, this time that you are here specifically seeking the Lord uh, for what he would have to say to the school and to all of us as a part of the body of Christ, and then to you, each and every one of you individually for your own life, for you that are married students, for your family. And I kind of look at it like this. I, I saw something the other day that just blew my mind, and it was on TV. It was on the Discovery Channel. I love watching all those kinds of programs, you know, and uh, Alaska, The Last Frontier. Anybody watch that? You, do they have any TVs here, man? But Alaska, The Last Frontier, and some of these programs about animals and, and uh, you know, Alaska and this. And they were, they were talking about the eagle. And this documentary uh, was telling, telling the people that an eagle, I mean, eagle is an awesome bird. How many have ever seen an eagle up close? I mean, they are just a huge, huge, you know, they, they look like the hell's angels of birds. I mean, they are, they are crazy looking, you know. They got that big beak, man. And you know if that thing gets to you, you're, you're, like, you're like Swiss cheese. So, and, and they got them, those claws, man. Those claws are bigger than they look when you see them on TV, aren't they? If you've seen them in person. And uh, they were sharing that uh, about different birds along with sharing about the eagle. And, and uh, they said that the only bird, the only bird that will mess with the eagle 
is a raven. And I'm like, ravens? I think some, I'm thinking prophet, raven, there's something about that in the Bible. And yeah, it definitely is. And they said, well, here's what happens. The raven gets up on the back of the eagle. Talk about a brave bird. Gets up on the back of the, uh, back of the eagle and begins to peck at its flesh. Isn't that amazing? And just sits on that eagle, and the eagle, you know, head turns around, and, and, you're, and you're thinking to yourself, if this eagle gets to this raven, you know, he's gonna, he is going to, like, beat the living snot out of this bird. Excuse the expression. I apologize for all of you that snot is a bad word. But uh, you'd think that the, that eagle was just going to tear this thing apart. But it doesn't. You know what happens? The eagle takes off with the raven on his back. And he's like... And just begins to fly. But while he's flying, he continually begins to gain altitude. Flies a little higher flies a little higher, flies a little higher. And that eagle has the ability to fly at an altitude that by the time it gets up to where it knows it needs to go, the raven has absolutely no air and cannot breathe. And so it either dies and just falls off the eagle and falls to the ground dead. And I'm thinking that as a, uh, uh, this week of prayer, that I believe that God is teaching us to be like the eagle. The, that, that prayer and fasting and spending time with him, that the more we do that, the more we begin to fly, the more we begin to soar, the more we begin to reach altitudes where that raven, like the enemy of our soul, it begins to not be able to breathe anymore. What's the one thing that the disciples had a hard time when the young man was, was demon-possessed? And what did Jesus say to them? This, this kind sometimes only comes, out, only comes out by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Prayer brings you closer to God, and fasting gets you further away from what the world is all about. And so that, 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 that's what... That's what he's doing he, in this, this time of prayer, this week of prayer. He's teaching us to fly. Teaching us to fly higher. Teaching us to fly higher so that those ravens would just begin to fall off of our back. I so much appreciate it, and I, I should have probably started out with this, but I appreciate being able to uh, share w- with, the, with you students. Um, I was retired. A couple of years ago, I had no idea that, uh, that I would be here, be back at Elam. Uh, it was, it was uh, like a lot of things that the Lord does in our life, it was like an amazing surprise to me. And uh, I'm so grateful to be here, and I'm looking forward to getting to know some of you students. Um, I want to share with you this morning, well, we'll get down to the sermon now, okay? And... Uh, <laughs> I want to share about some different family members that uh, we need to become closely related to 
And uh, by doing that, I want to start out just reading uh, from Matthew uh, chapter 20. If you, if you want to turn there, if you've got a, got a Bible with you. Um, and what this was, and you can, you can read the before it and after it, which is so important content-wise uh, to understand what's being said. But it, uh, it starts in verse 23. It says, Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup. But, uh, and you know the story, they were talking about uh, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God, and, and he says, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. He said, these places belong to those whom they have been prepared for by my father. When the ten heard this, they were indignant with the two brothers that were asking the questions. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great amongst you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And uh, there's two things that I want to share with you. And, they, and they are, they're in the family. And the family is called the Abel family. How many understand and know what the Abel family is? Well, the first one, the first Abel in the family, his name is Flex. And so when you put the full name together, he is flexible. And uh, I want to share a little bit of that uh, with you, because if you're going to survive as a follower of the Lord and to fulfill a call of God on your life to ministry, and by that, I don't necessarily mean you have to be a pastor, prophet, teacher, evangelist, etc., Whatever that call is that he has on your life, whether it be, be a doctor or a nurse or wherever, wherever God's will takes you when, when, when you leave this place. In order to do that, especially the call of God, though, uh, in, in, in around your life, uh, you are going to have to learn to be flexible. Uh, flexible, even in prayer, we need to learn to be flexible. There is a time for prayer when you set aside time, and then there's a time when it's spontaneous, when you begin to use that tongue and plug into God. There are different times uh, and different ways to use prayer. But if you're not flexible, you're in serious trouble. Uh, there, there are people that have a hard time with this just in the church, you know. I mean, you, you, you have to understand something while you're here at Bible school. You are going to be years ahead of many churches when you go back. You're going to look at some of the churches that you go back to and, and back to your home church, and you're going to be, and you're going to be like, that, they don't know that truth? They, they don't know? That's pretty simple. I, it's hard for me to believe it, you know? And so when you do that, the problem is, is that you're going to have to learn to be flexible. Flexible to, to, uh, uh, to, to see what's being done. Flexible to be able to flow in what's being done. Flexible enough 
to, uh, to be able to work with a team flexible enough to, uh, to do whatever it is that God calls you to do. And uh, it's so important that you be a part of the Abel family, flexible. In Acts chapter 6, and I just I want to use some of these the, the scriptures here because I, I believe it's so important to have a you know a scriptural basis for what I'm talking about. But in 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 uh, in, in chapter six, and you know all know the story um, about the choosing of the seven in the book of Acts. Everybody talks about the book of Acts, and a lot of people are saying that we are going to be reliving the book of Acts in the in these days because of the miracles and the power of God and all the things that happen. And, uh, and I believe that's true. That's true. A servant of the Lord, prayer and ministry of the word were the two most important things. And you, I think you remember the story. There was a problem that arose because there were, there were uh, uh, certain groups of people. They were living in community style. There were certain groups of people that were not being given uh, uh, the right amount of food. Others were, others weren't. And uh, whether it was favoritism or whether it was just uh, because nobody was in charge and nobody organized the thing, and so they had complained. They complained to the apostles. And the apostles said, the most important thing here is uh, prayer, dedicating ourselves, the apostles, to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And so they said, what, what they told the people to do is, we want you to choose brethren, that have character and they're full of the Holy Ghost and, uh, and you know they're men of God or women of God. And uh, what we want you to do is, is, is choose them and then they will take over that responsibility of making sure that everyone gets their share of food. And, uh, and so they did. And, and uh, the reason I want to bring that up and talk about flexibility is because if you continue to read, and I'm not going to read the whole thing because it'll, it'll take quite a bit of time. But one of the greatest stories in all of the Bible to me is the story of Stephen. The story of Stephen. And unbelievable things happened after the story of Stephen. And you know the story. He, uh, now, now, here's what I'm talking about, about being flexible. Uh, you know, maybe Stephen felt like he had as much a call on his life to apostolic ministry as the others did. Perhaps he felt like he had uh, uh, a ministry to preach and to teach and to join with them in prayer. And, and, uh, and he had a desire to be used of God. And, and, and then all of a sudden, uh, through the will of God, and because he was flexible enough, the Lord used him in a food ministry. And some of you are like, dude, that ain't making it for me. Well, if it's not... You better forget about going back out there when you're here because you're going to have to be flexible enough to do just about anything. And, 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 so, and so Stephen ends up preaching one of the most powerful sermons ever preached. As a matter of fact, when, when Stephen preached, the heavens opened up and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Not because he was an apostle, not because he was a prophet, not because he was an evangelist, not because he was necessarily a teacher, but it happened because he was in the food ministry. He was flexible enough to say, Lord, Lord Jesus, wherever you need me, if that's what you want me to do, 
to minister to your people, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to do it. I remember in my early days when I was here as a freshman, I had an opportunity to travel with Brother Paul Johansson to several places. And uh, I think it was because he knew I was kind of an ADD kind of guy, you know. And he's like, man, we got to get this guy out of the, you know, we better get him off the campus. So he invited me and, uh, and just he loved me. He's my mentor. But he invited me to go with him to a couple places. So, so one weekend we went out to uh, a brother's, uh, I think it was Herkimer, and we went to a young men's retreat. And, uh, and I'll never forget, I think it's the first time I ever saw a brother Paul in a pair of jeans. And, uh, and we were there, and, and, and he spoke to all these young people, you know, and they had their contemporary music at that time, which you guys probably don't even know what the second chapter of Acts, and some of those people, Barry McGuire and, and all these people, and, uh, and the music blaring us up. But when he, he spoke, and he spoke a beautiful word, he, he, was, he was able to come down to their level, young people, and, and pre- preach, and they just loved him. They fell in love with him. And then I remember that evening sleeping on the floor of a kitchen with a wood stove that barely worked in a sleeping bag, freezing to death. I mean, we were cold, and he was laughing. And I remember seeing the breath coming out of his mouth while he's in that sleeping bag, and he's like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know how Paul is. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And just was going on and on, and uh, and then uh, trying to get that him and I trying to get that stove going enough so that we could stay warm for the night, and uh, and we did. But we left there. We left there, and we went to Buffalo to a big conference that Tommy Reed was putting on Tommy Reed's church, and it was on like the fourth floor of a of a beautiful hotel there, and it was 400 people, and it was suit and tie, dress up, like a, almost, you know, if you were going to a prom, everybody dressed up. There was no, no jeans type of thing or shorts or any of that, and so we went from one extreme to another, and he preached there, and they loved him, but my point is this. He was able to go from one extreme to another extreme. You know why? Because he was flex, flexible. And so as you are here in this place, you are going to have to learn to be flexible. I had to learn it. I don't know any too many Bible school students that don't learn it because when you go back out there, things are not going to be exactly the way that you think that they are. They are not going to welcome you with balloons and and a big party and say, my gosh, we've got a Bible school student here. Glory to God. They're going to preach up a storm and, oh, we're so glad you're here. And uh, if this party ain't good enough, we'll have another one for you in about four weeks. Don't worry about it. You know what they're going to you know what they're going to look for? Flexibility. Flexibility. When I went to that uh, to that dinner in Niagara Falls or in Buffalo, I, it was Niagara Falls, I'm sorry. It was Niagara Falls, but when I went to that, as soon as we walked into the place, I'm like I've got this black velvet coat on. I was like 90 pounds lighter. 
and handsome looking thing. I had hair. It was beautiful, you know. And I walked in there with Paul Johansson. I'm like, glory to Jesus. I am with the Apostle Paul. I'm walking and strutting, you know. And, and, and Brother Paul's walking around. Thank you, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Help us, Lord, help us. And he's like, hey, 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 hey. Come here, come here, come here, come here. I, I, I'm like, yeah, what are you, what's up, Brother Paul? He's like, see these people setting up chairs? See them setting up chairs? Go help them. Take off your jacket, get over there, and get these chairs set up. There's 400 people coming in here in about 20 minutes. So I whip off my coat, and I go over there, and I start setting up chairs and being a part of, of, of what's going on. He's, he said, we're here to serve. We're here to serve. We're here to serve. You know, and, uh, and he sets up a couple, and then he goes over there and talks to this. Everybody's trying to get his attention, and he's like, get the chairs. Get the chairs set up. Get them chairs set up, you know. I'm like, yes, sir, yes, sir, you know. And, uh, and you know, flexibility. Can you imagine him having someone from this school representing the student body? And he could have just very, I could have very easily said, uh, <laughs> I don't set up chairs. I don't, I, I'm a Bible school student. I know the word of God better than the other 400 people that are here. I don't set up chairs. I don't do that. And with that kind of an attitude, what do you think that their response would have been to the next time someone said, we need a youth pastor. Is there anybody from Elam? Um, do you want one that sets up chairs or one that doesn't? Which one do you want? Flexibility. The definition of flexibility is capable of bending easily without breaking. The ability, to, the ability to easily uh, bend, but not break. But not break. And also, one of the definitions, and I wrote them down because I thought they were great. Able to be easily modified. To, listen, listen to me. To respond to altered circumstances or conditions. There are a lot of all, there are so many altered circumstances. I mean, just look at COVID. Altered circumstances. Altered circumstances. What I'm, sh I'm sharing with you, things that God had to work into my, I, I'm, not, I'm not just talking with you from, from a point of success. I'm talking with you from a point of having to learn it. Having to learn it. Having to be able to learn to be flexible. Because all of you out there right now, many of you are saying, ah, I'm pretty flexible. Well, we'll see. It's just like those of you that when I, and, and that's why I had you raise your hand that feel a call to the mission field. You feel a call to the mission field? Go to New York City. There's every, every, everybody that you could think of from every country in the world. But you know what? They're also right here. Those foreign students are right here. Will you show them love? Are you willing to spend some time with them? Are you willing to be an extended family to them? Is that okay? Where are you from? From Poland. I hope you've extended a hand in love to her. 
able to be easily modified to respond to altered circumstances or condition. I remember a story, and I have so many stories, believe me. If you don't believe me, just ask Krista and, and Michael up in the admissions office, you know. And uh, luckily it's Krista because she's like, oh, I love those stories. I love those stories. I'm like, God bless her, man. Give her, give her a raise, Brother Fred. I never forget a story, and most of what I've learned at Elam, uh, I could tell you a story about it because there are things that I have never forgotten. Never. I've never forgotten them. I remember, and I, this is just, I'm going down a little bit of a rabbit trail, but uh, I, I remember one time standing in Brother David Edwards' class, and, and, and Brother Edwards is a Welchman. Listen, I could listen to Welchmen talk about puppies and kitties and, and be spellbound. They're the best preachers in the world. And I remember, being in, I remember being in one of his classes, and he was talking and speaking about the cross. And uh, he had taught so many, many, many different times about the cross. Uh, and, 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 you know, it was like secondhand to him. And he was going through all the different chapters and all the different things about the cross of Christ and I'll never forget that when he got to, he said this is like his ninth year or something that he had taught on the cross. And I'm sure Brother Stacy could probably relate to this. About nine years of teaching on that, and I remember him starting to talk about some of the different uh, physical things and the agony that happened while he was on the cross. And all of a sudden, uh, a, very, a, very, a statesman, a gentleman, someone... I hung on to every word he said in every single class. And he stood up there in front of us and started spouting off some of those things about the cross and the physical uh, uh, things that, be, that happened at the cross. And all of a sudden he stopped and he hung his head. And I saw these tears come down the cheeks of one of the greatest orators I've ever known, one of the greatest speakers I've ever known personally. And that was it. That was the end of the class. He dis dismissed everybody. But he imparted something to me that will always be a part of my heart. He imparted something. I remember Brother Paul Johansson sharing in Romans class. I, I could go on all day with stories. But I remember Pastor, uh, or Brother Joe, he was talking about uh, the students, the freshmen, and he said, you know, at the end of the freshman year, all the students have all gone home. He goes, and I got a phone call. I get a phone call from a, a mother of one of the students. And she goes, uh, you know, they're talking. And he said, well, you know, what do you think about your, your son being here at Bible College and stuff? And she said, well, she said, I'm wondering, uh, honestly, if it's really made a, made a difference in his life. And he goes, well, you know, what do you mean by that? Explain it to me. And she said, well, he's got a couple of younger brothers, he goes, and they were all, uh, you know, he, he was off doing, some, doing something in his room, studying or something, he goes, and, and all of a sudden, you know, he's got a couple of brothers running around. I hear this crash, bang, you know, and, 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 uh, and she goes, and I, so I go, I go downstairs and I look, and, and here's a, a great big lamp that we had down there, and the boys had been running around and crashed into that lamp and busted into a million pieces. And she goes, I was busy and, and doing something. You know, I don't know all of the details, but I know the gist of the story. And, uh, and, and here's, here's what she said. She said, Paul, 
I asked my Elam freshman graduate, honey, is there any way that you could go down there, please, and clean that up for me? I'm busy. And his response was this. I didn't break it. Why should I clean it up? I didn't break it. Why should I clean it up? When I heard that story, I will never forget that story. Because when you're done here and and you've left and and, and you're away from uh, this fabulous presence of God and beautiful staff and people that love you dearly that that are here, sacrifice, it's a sacrifice. And they're here and they're just... They're in love with Jesus. That's why they're here. And they're in love with you. I heard Brother Stacy share um, when they had the last break. And I just, I watched them get up here and just pour out your love for these students. Amazing. But the important thing is, are you going to be flexible enough to go out and make a difference with your family, with a job, with your friends, with the church, or where they see you coming and say, he doesn't know, she doesn't know how to set up chairs. <clears throat> the other one, and I'm not sure how much time that I'll have, but... Maybe for another time, I'll save it. The other part of the Abel family is teach. That's the cousin to flex. Teach. Are you teach Abel? You know, Jesus was continually trying to get the apostles, the disciples, to be teach Abel. I don't know if you've seen the new series that's been out for a while now, but how many have, have watched The Chosen? If you haven't watched The Chosen, or maybe just put, put your hand up if you've watched it. If you haven't seen it, it is an absolute must because it's about the life of Jesus and his disciples, and it's, it is so true to Scripture, and the characters have such an anointing on them that you will think that you are actually, the Bible is right in front of you live. But I'll never forget the part where, 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 uh, where they go to the, where the woman is at the well. And uh, Jesus says, you know, go ahead, go get some food, do whatever you got to do. He says, I, I, I'm staying here. So he stays, and, and the woman at the well, and he asks, asks her for, for a drink and so on. And this big conversation goes on, you know. And, uh, and it, long story short, it ends up that she becomes his, the greatest evangelist probably of all time. She finds out that Jesus knows everything about her life, everything about her previous marriages, and now she runs into the town and she wants to tell people, I believe that I have met the Messiah. I believe I have met the one that has come. And that's a Samaritan that Jesus was dealing with. And so, so in, the, in the movie and, and, uh, and scripturally, I, you know, I think you could put it together, but um, I can't say it's absolute. But, but they all came back from buying food and stuff, and they're laughing, the disciples, and, you know, 
it's so real to life, you know. And they come back, and, and Peter's upset. Peter's upset. Peter was always getting upset. I love Peter, though. But he was always getting upset about something. And I'll never forget that in that movie, not only does he do it with Matthew, who is a t- and wait till you see Matthew, who's the tax collector in this movie. You'll come back and you'll be like, guy, you were 197% right on the money. Because Matthew is a, uh, uh, he's obsessed. So what do you call it? O-C-B-D, I don't know what they are. Anyways, what do you call that? O-C-D. He's like O-C-D times 100 but, but Jesus reaches out to him because Jesus sees something in him. He sees something in him that, that, he, that he didn't see in other people. And so he tells him to follow him. And then Peter sees that Jesus had talked to the Samaritan woman. And he's, and, 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 uh, and he's upset. He's, he's like, and so Jesus confronts him. He's like, Peter, what's your problem, dude? Didn't say dude, but I did. What's your problem? And you know what Peter's response is? Well, we, we, we just don't do that because it, it's, you know, that's just really different. Deep down inside, he's saying, because I can't stand these stinking people. They're Samaritans. What in the world? Why would you even consider talking with her? She ends up being one of the greatest evangelists. Goes, goes, goes and turns the town upside down, brings Jesus in for a couple of days. And while he's there, they tell her, you don't even need to tell us anymore. We know exactly what you're talking about. We've met him. We've met the Messiah. We've met him. and he's a, We know who he is. You don't need to tell us anymore. But the beautiful thing about the story is this, is that Peter says that's, that we don't do that. That's, he's being polite. We, we, that's very different. And Jesus squares off and looks at him. He says, Peter, get used to different. Get used to different. And so to be part of the able family, flexible, and to learn to be teachable, get used to different. Get used to different. There's a lot of different coming for the body of Christ in many, many different ways. Politically, financially, socially, get used to different. So I leave that with you this morning. Ask the Lord, Lord, how can I become more flexible? And how how can I become more teachable? And while you're doing that, remember that while you're becoming flexible and teachable, Don't forget the wings. Don't forget. Go higher. Just go higher with him and the ravens begin to fall for lack of breath. Amen? Thank you.